1 Chronicles 29. 2 Corinthians 9, 1 Chronicles 29. 2 Corinthians 9. Some of you know the Bible too good for your own good. So you go to 2 Corinthians 9 and people start getting all, you know, they get, they get all kind of, they get all, they get all tight on you. Uh, growing pains, right? Growing pains. Um, I joked and kind of, you know, poked fun a little bit at the show, but the fact of the matter is, you know, and, and look, you know, it's been it's been far too long, but uh, you know, I did I did watch the show as a kid. Uh, it, it, you didn't you didn't necessarily get anything that you necessarily needed, but it was you know it, it would kind of. Mm, it, it would illustrate, you know, d the difficulties and the challenges of life, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly preaching to the choir here. Li life's difficult. It's challenging. Um, it's hard. The way is hard. And that, that goes for everybody. Everybody's having a hard time. And I, when I say everybody, I mean it's, that it isn't exclusive to Christians. Now, I will say this, you end up, as Christians, you end up in not just the battle of life that everybody has to kind of muck through, um, you get you, you yourself into a spiritual battle <laughs> that you may or may not, you know, had been fully disclosed. Uh, I saw something, yeah, man, you're right. I saw something that I appreciated this week. I sent it over to my brother. It was, said, it was like something about like, you know, if recruiters really told the truth. And I, I wish, some of these things I wish I could play for you. I really do, because they, they wouldn't hurt you at all. And uh, that, that you just get a little bit of a laugh, but nevertheless, you know, it was just all about, you know, how a recruiter would come to a, a young man, maybe considering the army or young woman for that matter, but that's neither here nor there, uh, uh, and, and begin to, to tell him the honest truth about, you know, what it might really be like, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and good and the bad, and I should have wrote them down because this is just, I'm not, I don't even have that written down. I don't have any of this stuff uh, at all, but but the fact of the matter is this, if the Lord had came and told you all of the things about the Christian life, you might have done some more counting, you know, and you, and you might have made the wrong choice, right? And so that's, that he tells you about his wonderful son, right? And, the, and, and how, I don't mean to, you know, I'd say this irreverently, but how he can get you out of the jam, you're in a real bad spot as a, as a lost sinner, and you need a Savior. And he tells you about a Savior, and you get saved, and then it's like, by the way, you know, that flesh that's been giving you trouble all the way from birth until now and got you in the mess you're in, and that I just saved you from, it's going to hang around for the rest of the way. <laughs> But Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And you got a new enemy. Yeah, I mean, he's always been your enemy before he was your dad. Now I'm your dad. And he hates your guts. He wants to make your life a living hell because you're not going to an eternal hell. And by the way, that world you were having all that fun in, they hate you now. <laughs>
Yeah. But it'll still be enticing for you to go over there. <laughs> and when you get there, you won't have as much fun as you thought you were going to have. All that, you know what I mean? And then like a whole bunch more, right? But there, there was some, there's, there's a lot to the Christian life. And it, it's not easy and it's difficult. And so there are growing pains. As we go through these things, we, we get to these kind of places in the, in, in the Christian life. And when we're talking about growth and church growth, again, I want you to continually make the application individually and then corporately. The, the church can't grow, whether it's the local or the universal, however you want to make that application other than individually, that can't happen unless individual growth happens, right? So, so we're, 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 we're always, you know, making, um, well, usually multiple applications because it, it, it can be applied to the church as a whole and then it needs to be implied, uh, applied to the individual. Okay. Uh, and so when we got in here, we, 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 we said church growth is exclusive. And I said kind of three things about that, but the main thing I was just pointing out was that it's not like, the, it's not like growing a business. It, it's not like that at all. Uh, it, many of the things that would apply to, to growing something, you know, kind of it, it, that, that with, with dollar signs or with, you know, something corporate or something like that, they just wouldn't apply to the growth of a church. And, and the, the world sees what God did there, and uh, even unbeknownst to them, unwittingly, they try to counterfeit it. Okay? And so we said that. And then we said expose, it's, it's explosive. <laughs> and I made up a word. And I don't mind doing that from time to time. As a matter of fact, I do it probably more than I should. But, uh, you know, when you can't get a word to rhyme, sometimes you just got to make one up. You know what I mean? You just got to... I feel like they made words up all the time back then. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the English language, like somewhere along the... When did it, when did it become a rule? Now, you can't... No more making up words. You know what I mean? It's just, that's enough. Because at some point, somebody was just making them up. Like, they were just coming to the thing, and like, I don't know what to call this thing. How to, and they just sat down and made up a word. I think. I don't know how that thing went. <laughs> I don't think this one's going to stick, but we said it's explosive. And what we, what we looked at was where the Lord will dig around in them roots, and then put things in and take things out, and... I got to live that message this week in a way that I wouldn't even tell you about. So if you know what I'm talking about, the message, then fine. And I don't know why you didn't laugh at that. That was weird why you didn't laugh at that. Anyways, you could ask Toby about it because I drug him into the situation as well. But I paid him good, though. Well, I didn't pay him yet, but <laughs> I, to I told him I'd pay him good. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, look like the Lord, right? Didn't he tell you he's going to pay you good? Yeah. Has he paid you yet? I mean, I mean in eternal rewards. Oh, no, you haven't got him yet. All right, well, there's a payday coming. Your reward's in heaven, Toby. <laughs> oh, I would, I wish, some other time I'll tell you the story. We need to go to 2 Corinthians. We need to look at something real quick, uh, just briefly, because you're going to get, you know, like, like I said, some of you know the Bible well enough to where when we turn there, you know, turn to a certain place. Some preacher says, turn over here, and you're like, you know, 
Like, you get your lip all kind of snarl, and you're just like, okay, you better, you, you know, you're a spoiled brat is what you are. You're a spoiled Bible believer is what you are. Now, other times, it takes until we get over there, and then you get your lip all, you know, hair-lipped. You get all snarled up, you know? Because what, because what we're going to talk about is that church growth is expensive. Church growth is expensive. So he's going to talk about money. No, we'll, we'll talk about something way more expensive than that. If all it took was money, then we could do it like the world does it. Just have some fundraisers or get, you know, get, get, get down to the bottom line. Now, I'll guarantee you this. Church growth is expensive when it comes to money. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, and, and let's read one verse, and then we will need to pray. You know what I mean? <laughs> 2 Corinthians in chapter 9, and uh, oh, look at like verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. That can be applied to anything in life that, that's good to sow, but he is talking about money. He is, he is talking about, I was going to say dollars, but it wasn't dollars, you know what I mean? But whatever it was, you know. Money, denaro. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Get this, every man, how many of them? Every. All right, every man according as he purposeth in his heart. So 10%? I'm just kind of asking. 10%? Doesn't say anything, does it? It says, every man as he purposeth in his heart. Um, I'm, I'm going to, you know, and I, and I may contradict myself somewhere down the road here, and I, you know, it, it's fine to do. The, the tithe is in the Bible, and that's 10%. The tithe is the Lord's. That's in the Scriptures. So I, you're not out of bounds in saying, you know, in preaching and teaching, a Christian ought to tithe, and it ought to be 10% of their money. You wouldn't be out of bounds. But I do kind of smile sometimes, and I don't mean to teach you to do this, but when, when a preacher really gets kind of, trying to really hammer it down in the New Testament, it's not really there. Giving's there for sure. The tithe isn't really there in the sense of 10%. It's a lot more. <laughs> you go look at the times they're given in the Bible. Go look at the times where, they're, where, they're, where, they're, where, they're, where somebody's really talking about what's being given. So what are we trying to get down to? Paul said something later on in this, in this book. He says, I'm not after yours, and I'm ad-libbing. I'm after you. I don't seek yours, Paul said. I'm after you. The very next verse, you know what he says? I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more I love, the less I be loved. What did he know about them? He knew about them, what he would know about me. He knew about them, what he would know about me, what I know about you, which is that we get hung up with money. And there's a connection there to certainly our heads, and if we're not careful, our hearts, and God uses it as a tool in our lives to do all kind of things, not the least of which build up faith and try faith and exercise faith. Amen. Amen. 
So when he, when he comes to this point of money and he begins to deal with you, all kind of things start to happen. That, and all kind of stuff begins to, co- to happen in life. And God is trying you out. He's trying you out. You see, he's, he's not interested in yours. He's interested in you. God does not need your money. Get that, like, get it rooted down in your heart. God does not need your money. He doesn't need my money. He wants your heart. He wants you. Okay? So every man, as he purposeth in his heart, then this, so let him give. Verse 7, I'm still in verse 7. Not grudgingly or of what? Okay, so if, if I ever preached... That you, you better give so God will give to you. Boy, I better tiptoe around that thing. I better be real careful with that. Because there's some verses that can be kind of used that way. But if you get in your mind, I'm going to give so God gives to me, you missed it. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's what of necessity means. I, I'm going to give so I get. Meh, er, missed it. Somewhere along the way didn't get the heart of the thing. Right? Um, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. And then he says this, for God loveth the cheerful giver. God loveth the cheerful giver. Let's pray. Father, would you please help us to understand whatever it is you want us to understand on this matter concerning these things we'll look at. Please give me clarity of thought. Please help us to consider these things, and uh, might you have free course and be able to do whatever you want in your church. This is your church, Lord. These are your people. Help them. Strengthen them. Change them. Make them what they ought to be for you. Love you. Pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, it's interesting because we're going through the book of Acts, and I'm not going to actually take you over there. I'm not going to say ever. Uh, we, may, we may end up over there. I'm certainly going to refer to something. It is the next thing that I saw in the book of Acts as I went through there kind of with those lenses on, right? So it's amazing how the Word of God works and how that as you go through any passage and you're looking on purpose for something that maybe God told you to look for, you just see all these different things. And, it, and, and you can do the you can go through the same book with some different lenses on, looking for something else, and he'll show you some other things. It, there's no other book like that. It's remarkable. Um, but as I went through the book of Acts and, and kind of got looking like, okay, what happens as this church begins to grow, this early church forms? Uh, I'll say this. We certainly saw some remarkable giving. At the end of Acts chapter 2, you saw everybody, everybody selling all of their possessions, and you saw... I, I, I've, I've, you know, I've said it two weeks in a row. I'll kind of keep on saying it. You saw communism in its perfection. As perfect as it will be down here, humanly speaking. And I've pointed out several times that we're not going to do that. And it was a very special thing about the, uh, concerning the book of Acts. And, and yeah, Hello? Right? And then last week we looked at some giving. Because it, it continued on. Right? Some, some folks had some lands and they sold them and began to bring them to the church. And then somebody kind of... messed up. You know what I mean? They got all kind of out of sorts in their head with this idea. And they said, well, you know, 
What about me? Yeah. Yeah, what about you? What about me? Yeah, right? Okay. And, and they, made a, they made a big mistake. It was a grave error. Literally. <laughs> it, was a gra- it was a grave error. <laughs> right? Like they made the error and then they went to the grave. <laughs> and that was wild. And I, and I think we pulled some things out of there. But, what, but, but nevertheless, we saw some remarkable giving. Right? No doubt. And so... When we, when we talk about church growth is expensive, the, the two examples, the two outstanding examples up to this point is a bunch of people giving everything, all their physical goods. Wow. Makes 10% sound reasonable. <laughs> no? Okay, fine. Unreasonable then. Right. Yeah. A lot of Christians are more upset about the Lord wanting, you know, wanting. About the Lord's 10% than they are about the government's 35 or 50, 55 or whatever. Oh, I don't want to meddle. We said First Chronicles 29, didn't we? Okay. So when we, we look at what we were seeing there in, in Acts, and I'm trying to... You know, kind of trying to figure out how to segue some of this stuff the best way that I can. But go back to First Chronicles in chapter 29 and begin to show you something um, that I think we can kind of learn the spirit of this. Because the act of giving, the act of giving, which is what was going on in the early book of Acts, right? It, it cultivated a spirit of giving. The act of giving is one thing, and a spirit of giving is, an, is another thing. God's spirit, God's a giver. In his nature, God is a giver. He just gives and gives and gives and gives. And so when a Christian gets up, filled up with the spirit of God, well, they... They get impacted by the nature of God, by the person of God, by the Spirit of God. And the the act of giving becomes the result of the Spirit of giving. Right? If all we have, if all we get, if all a church has, or if all of it, if all of it, the world can easily take part in the act of giving. I'm going to show you the spirit of giving, and you won't see that, you won't see that out in the world. The act of giving versus the spirit of giving. Do you understand? Let's talk about the spirit of giving today, okay? We ought to all partake of the act of giving. You won't have it right unless you get the spirit of giving. It's different. Costs more. He's not after yours, he's after you. When the spirit of giving gets going, and and look, I'm not talking about the Christmas spirit. (laughs) Amen. 
But isn't it interesting when that thing kind of comes around and it, and it does, you know, kind of get a little bit good? And you go, oh, I like this time of year. Maybe you don't. Fine. Okay, whatever. But, but you know, some of you, are, some of you like it because you like giving. Some of you like it because you like getting. That's not what we're talking about. First Chronicles chapter 29. And uh, notice a few things here. It's the end of David's life. David was a giver all his life. David was a giver. Uh, there's a, there, there, there are so many areas where we could talk about giving and we could talk about how church growth is expensive. But the, the kingdom is about to be passed on to Solomon here. And some of you know the story, you know, David really wanted to build a house for the Lord. Could I call it a church? Would that be too far of a stretch? It was the tabernacle. I understand all that. I, I, I get it. Okay. Wasn't it a building? I'll show you this. That wasn't for him. It wasn't for man. Right. It was God's. You see, this isn't for man here. If this is for man, let's go home. Can we just agree? You shouldn't have come today, and we shouldn't stay one minute longer, and let's not come back if this is for man. If this is the work of man, it's too hard, and I want to quit. It's not worth it. I'm just being flat, flat frank with you. You know what I mean? There, there are way easier, more, just everything. Just, just, there's, there's, there's better things to do with your time if this is just for man. Now, if this is for God, though, and you, need, you better... You better ask and then answer that question for yourself. You'll have to because, because, because it's incredible what he asks you to give. He's not after yours. So I want this thing to grow. Okay, he's not after yours then. He's after you. So well, how much? I mean, if we got a knife out today and started talking about how much you were willing to give, how much would you be willing to give? You ever heard the saying, a pound of flesh? Would you give a pound? What would be the least painful thing to do? What would be the least painful amount to give? Nothing. I thank you. Those are your choices. All or Nothing. All or nothing. Because when you give part, it hurts. When you give part, you get cut. When you give part, you lose. You just lose. Do you understand? God is not interested in fence riders. He said, I would that thou wert hot or cold. I wish you were in or out. I've got this sword here. Let's just cut that baby right in half, right? No, that wouldn't make any sense. Let's not do that. You take it. We have a hard time with that story, don't we? All right. So David's a giver. Verse, verse 1, Furthermore, David the king said unto the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom God alone hath chosen is yet young and tender, and the work is great, for the palace is not for... Are you with me? Are you with... Okay, stay with me then. 
For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Okay. Let's read on. Look at verse, uh, yeah, I'm going to just stay with me for a little bit. We'll come back and we'll hit some points. Look at verse 2. Now I have prepared with, what does that say? All my might for the house of my God, for the gold, for the things to be made of gold, for the silver, for the things to be made of silver, for the brass, the things of brass, and iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, onyx uh, stones for, uh, and stones to be set, glistering stones and of divers colors, and all manner of precious stones, and marble in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection. Look, <laughs> you're getting profound things out the gate. It isn't for man, it's for God. I, I went in with all my might. You know, it's shocking how much effort it takes to, to get anything worth having. Paul talks about it with regard to the things of this world. He says, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. If we, if we today, and I please, just I, I try not to go too far with this, but it, it's worth pointing out, at least now and again, how much people are willing to give for things, for crowns down here on this world, down here on this earth, that if their efforts were compared to Christians and what kind of effort they're putting into their Christian life, it would just be absolutely pathetic in comparison. I'm talking about what time they get up in the morning. I'm talking about the hours of time they spend doing it. I'm talking about the things that they give up so that they can do this thing and have this thing and excel at this thing that Christians just will not give up for an incorruptible crown, for an heavenly kingdom, for a lost soul, for a church. Okay. He says, I gave all my might. So, wow, he was the king and he, just, he would just tax people. Go back, go back there and look at it and, and see if you can find that anywhere and, that, and how that was going on. When David says he put all his might in, I, I just take him for his word. That it, was, that it was much greater effort. You see, there's more inside of you than you realize. He's not after yours. He's after you. And he says, I did all this because I set my affection to the house of my God. I loved it. You see, the old preacher used to say this, if I can find out what you love and what you're afraid of, I've got you. Right? And then he'd say this after that. If you're having any trouble figure if you're having any trouble figuring out what you love, show me your checkbook and I'll help you. You see, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeah. We allocate money to that which we love. You know where most of my money goes? And I'm 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 being, you know, kind of facetious here a little bit. It goes to me. Yeah, I have a family. If you don't take your fam care of your family, you're worse than a reprobate, blah, 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 right? But most of my money goes to, to self. Sometimes doing a, a, a budget will just kind of help you out with a little more than, than sorting out the finances themselves. Kind of help you sort some spiritual things out as well. He comes to Peter and he says, you love me, Pete? Yeah. You love me, Pete? Sure. 
Do you love me? Yes, I do. You love me? Right? Okay. Because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good. It was mine. I didn't take out of, I didn't take out of the, 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 the kingdom's account, if you will. You understand? I'm just reading what David says here, right? Uh, of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. So it, it, was, it was over and above. It was in abundance. You, you get the heart of the thing here, right? Look at verse 5. For the gold, excuse me, the gold for the things of gold and the silver for the things of silver, for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service unto the Lord? Now, David's at the end of his life. He's an old man. He can say what he wants. Yeah. Amen. Who's going to ask him anything? Right? But, but he's setting himself up as an, as an example. And he's saying, here's what I did. And here's what I gave. And here's the proofs in the pudding. And no one can call into question what I'm saying. So who else would be willing to give of their stuff? Is that what he says? Isn't what he says. What does he ask them to give of? He says to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. It's more than money. Right? It's more than goods. It's, it's, it's more than all that. Then what does he want? Verse 6. Um, then the chief of the fathers and the princes and the tribes of Israel and the captains of the thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work, what did they do? Offered. They offered willingly. They offered willingly. Not by constraint. Right. right? Not of necessity. Not because the king said, anybody who doesn't give this amount, there's a gallows. Right? Not because, not because of anything. And so David, he's the forerunner, and he sets forth this example, and he, and he says, well, and, 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 it's, and it's worth pointing out, it's worth pointing out that he wasn't able to give the thing that he wanted to give. God didn't give him the liberty to do that. You could spend a lot of time there, and, and, and it's needful. We don't have the time to spend there. But, but David wanted to build the kingdom, the, the palace himself. He wanted to do it himself. And God told him, yeah, that's not a thing. He didn't say, yeah, that's not a thing, but you could work with all your might and, and fund the operation. He didn't say that. He just said, no. One of the most challenging areas of your Christian life will be when you set your heart to do something for the Lord and he tells you no. You don't talk about getting your faith tried. Because you'd be going through all kinds of things. I wanted to do this for you. Yeah, say it again. You wanted to do this. For him. Because you had all kinds of ideas of how it would work out. Right? And God says, no. So David sits and says, well, after all, I mean, what is my family and what, who am I anyways? And I can't even believe the fact that I would have, that you would be so gracious in my life. And, and then so, Lord, if I can't do that, I'd sure like to do this. The Lord says, I'd be fine. I'd be fine if you did that. 
And he says, okay, well, then I'm going to do it with every single fiber of my being, with every bit of strength I have, with, with, every, with all of me, and I'm not going to ask anything of anyone else. I'm just going to give of myself. But then I am going to set it forth as an example. And I am going to ask who might be also willing to give of their service. And then others begin to give willingly. And the spirit of giving begins to break out. Like it gets on. <laughs> they have a meeting. They, they have a time. Look at verse 9. They, they, they bring so much, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what they bring in 7 and 8. And, and it's again, it's never the point of the story. Just You'll see that as it goes on. We get so hung up on the stuff because we're, we're, we're hung up on the act of giving and the, the physical thing that's being given and we miss the spirit of it. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That's Bible. That's Scripture. I wonder how many of us actually learn it and have experienced it and know it. Amen. I don't, as, I don't often enough, I know that. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 9, Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. Things were right inside, right? And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. They're just having a time. Verse, verse 10, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever uh, and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people? That we should be, what does he say? We get this thing all messed up. I mean, we get it so messed up, it's, it's actually, it's, it's terribly tragic and sad. You see, David at the end of his life here has it. I'm going to show you in just a second that he didn't always have it. And I'm going to try to point out to you, I'm going to try to bring out the, the, the lesson, the thing that the Lord tries to do to get us to this place. I want to be where he's at. I want what he's got right here. I don't, I don't want the things, I, I, don't, I don't want the kingdom, I don't want the stuff, I want the spirit of what he's talking about. If, if, if only one, I mean, there's just one little blip of David's life, okay? And it's the end. But when he gets to the end, he's got it, he's got it pretty, pretty good. <laughs> he's got it pretty accurate. He's got it down pretty good. Who am I? I can't even believe I was at this meeting. That's what he's saying. I, I can't even believe I just, I can't even believe what I'm seeing right now. What a, what a privilege this is to be a part of. I'm getting ahead of myself just a touch, and that's okay because we need to. The fact that you would be given an opportunity to give your life for what he gave his life for, 
you better think really long and hard about that. You say you're talking about David? No. What did he get? What did Jesus Christ give for the church? He purchased it with his own blood. And then he comes to you. He says, you do what you want. I'm not going to make you do anything. I'm not going to make you do anything. And he says, I love the Lord. I love the church. Okay. Good. Got quite an opportunity before you. David saw it. At some point along the way, he saw the thing. He saw it crystal clear, and he, and he got it. He, like, he saw it 2020. And he gets down here, and, he, and, he's, and he's in the middle of this thing, and he says, but, but wait on. Hold on a second. Who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? To have this kind of a heart. It doesn't come from human giving. Do you understand what's going on? Can you see it? God got involved in this thing. Perfect hearts don't come from humanity getting the act of giving going. Corruption comes from that kind of stuff. Misallocated funds and misappropriated, you know, things. And you find out, you know... Okay, here's a nonprofit, and this guy, you know, that heads it up is making eight million dollars a year. <laughs> I'm just not really interested in that kind of stuff myself. I, 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 I'm thankful that the captain of my salvation went out ahead and said, "Here's how we do it: all in." This is what it looks like. Anybody who wants to, take up your cross and follow me. So what's going to happen when we're done carrying this cross? You die. You die. Do you understand you're going to spend your life doing something? You are going to give your life to something after all, aren't you? You will spend your life. How did you spend your life? How did you spend your life? How are you going to spend your life? What is that going to look like at the end? You will spend it doing something. The fact that you've been given an opportunity to spend it for Him, is it should blow your mind. It should be absolutely unbelievable, and nothing else should ever come into, into, you know, uh, into account and say, well, I might just spend it in, you know, doing this or that instead of for Him. You understand? I'm not, we're not... We're not talking about Open Door Baptist Church, although that's the place he's giving you the opportunity to do it, right? But, but that's, not, that's not the end-all, be-all. Like he, he, You may give your all to Christ, and he may call you to the other side of the world to take the next step in giving all to him. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope you see the value I hope, I, hope it, I hope it pricks our heart. But who am I, David says. Well, he's the, he's the, he's the king. <laughs> he's a pretty big deal. Right? That's what's so special about David. He's, he's sitting on the throne and he still has a hard attitude of, I can't believe that I get to give to Jesus Christ. And Forgive me, right? You, you understand? I can't believe, believe that I'd, I would get to give to, 
to Jehovah God. That we would be so, able to offer so willingly for all things. Are you with me in verse 14? Yep. For all things come of thee. And then he gets this. Of thine own have we given thee. Well, here's another thing I get wrong all the time. <laughs> Every time it comes time to give, I don't care what it is, it's my time. I don't want to do that because this is my time. It's my money. It's my, fill in the blank, brother. Sister, David gets the end of the thing. He, he had more than you could ever even dream of. You will never even dream of what David had. Amen. You'll never have a kingdom like he had. You'll never have whatever kind of money he had. And, and for whatever it's worth, he gets to the end of the thing and he says, this is all yours. All we did today is give to you of yours. He didn't even say all we did today is give to you of what you've given to us. He didn't even say that. He said, we gave today of yours. <laughs> we're talking about church growth is expensive. You thought, you thought we were after the tithe. I'm after the whole thing, man. I'm not after yours. I'm after you. He's not after yours. He's after you. He wants it all. Not a part. That'll hurt you. Amen. That'll hurt you. All. For we are strangers, verse 15, before thee and sojourners, as were all of our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart. I, you better get that. Yeah. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart. If you read through the Psalms, you can read all through the, all through the kind of places where David's heart got tried. You see, his heart has been refined and purified at this place in his life. There's been some things taken out of his heart and some things put in, and his heart, is, his heart is pure. And that doesn't mean absolutely, utterly perfect in, in the sinless sense, but, but he's learned some things. And he says, Lord, you've, you've tried my heart and, and, and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me and the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people which are present here to offer willingly unto thee. You see, this is the spirit of giving. It's not just the act. It got different. There were some things expressed that you don't get out in the world. People talk about charity out there. That's all fine and good. This is, this is what happens when God's spirit gets involved in giving and he he clarifies some things for you, helps you out, helps you to see the opportunities you have, helps you, helps you to see things in an eternal perspective, right? And we need that. And you know, David needed that because right now I'm talking to you about the destination. This would be a good place to get to in our life. Yes. Amen? If this, like if you ever, one day, for one time ever, even got to be around this for a moment... Uh, you'd almost split in two. 
Because you, you, begin to, you begin to experience God's spirit of giving. And I know we, get, we just get little glimpses of it now and again. And the, cl- the closer you get to Calvary, the, the closer you'll, you'll get to this. Because this is a glimpse of that. <laughs> Amen. There's no, there's no gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Right? Paul said, I don't even want... I don't, what could I even say? It's an unspeakable gift. What is it? It's an unspeakable gift. You know, I got something for you. What is it? I don't know how to describe it. I don't know how, I wouldn't know how to explain it. God gave his life for you. Okay. He became poor so that you can be rich. Because without him becoming poor so that you can be rich, you'd be destitute. And money would be the least of your worries. Because which of you could redeem your soul if you had the whole world? Well, not one of you, right? So what would it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Well, then I guess what you got given was a pretty valuable gift. Was it not? I knew this was going to be long. I didn't know it was going to be this long, but look at First Corinthians. Look at First Chronicles chapter one, uh, twenty-one. Twenty-one. Kirk said, "Well, if that's the case, I got to tap out." <laughs> we'll try to we'll try to land on this thing, okay? Um, I'm, I told you about the destination, but I'm, I'm going to show you something, and I, I hope I really hope this will be a help to you in your life because I, I think we can communicate this point, and then I can touch a few things and we can close this. Um, how does a man get there? Because he said, I know you try, the, you try the heart, God. That's what you do. I told you that, that God will use money as a tool in your life to try out your faith. And he'll use it as a, as a tool in your life to try out your heart. Try out what you love. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He knows that about you. Set your affection, singular, not affections, set your affection on money. It hadn't better to love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows, right? Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, that they trust not in uncertain riches, right? But that they be humble, and I'm ad-libbing now, right? Ready to communicate, willing to give. Well, that's for every single person in this room. I don't care what you think. You know, I'm not rich. You're richer than a great percentage of the rest of this world. That's all neither here nor there. A spirit of giving is what we're looking for. How do we get it? How does it come? Because we don't have it naturally. Naturally, we count. All the time. We're always doing numbers. We want things to be logical. We want them to fit. And, I, and look, please, please. A bunch of you are going through FPU. Good. Get good at counting the beans. FPU, Financial Peace University. Right? And what are you doing? You're, you're taking a closer look than maybe you've ever looked or, you know, than you, know, than you, you know, whatever. Just, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Okay? It's a good thing. You ought, to, you ought to do that. You ought to learn how to do that. You need to learn how to do that. You ought to challenge yourself. You ought to always be working at it. If nothing else, it will become a great point of communication. 
or an interesting point of communication, right? <laughs> a place where communication happens. Let's just put it that way, right? <laughs> good, good, okay, good. But, but, God will absolutely have you in places at times where the numbers do not make sense and they are not going to make sense. If you can figure God out, well then, you know, what, what do you got? Well, he's not God anymore. He's past finding out. The Bible says his ways are past finding out. And so I'm absolutely certain, both by experience and the Bible, that he is going to have you in places where it just doesn't make any sense. And you're going to be left with a choice. And the choice is this. Count, and it will cost you. We'll count the cost. First Chronicles chapter 21. Notice this in verse 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David, David to what? Just to, yeah, let's just say to number. Can we just say that? Provoked him to number. So sometimes what's going on here is we're having a hard time figuring out just exactly what David did so wrong. Uh, <laughs> you have to forgive me, you know, for some of this though. I think, I, think, I think Kenny Rogers can help us figure out what David did wrong. You don't count your money when you're sitting at the table. Right? Kenny said, you got to know when to hold them. you got to know when to fold them. Yeah. you got to know when to walk. you got to know when to run. You don't count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Right? Amen! So David's sitting at the table, if you will. Right? Amen. Yeah, the game is still going on. It's not, it's not time. The dealing isn't done. And so David begins, begins to sit down at the table and he begins to count. He says, I need to know how much I've got. I need to know exactly how much I've got. And everybody knows it's, it's misfit. It's, it's, it's improper. Joab says, why do you want to do this? It doesn't make any sense. Why don't we just trust God? Because he said he would number Israel as the sand of the, the sea, David. He said he'd number them like the stars of heaven, David. Why do we need to know the exact number? It's going to take us 10 months to get this number, and it does. And then he doesn't even get the number in the end anyways, because Job doesn't appreciate what's going on. He lies to him. Amen! But, 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 but the principle is simple, because he's sitting there at the table. Just like you, right now. The game's going on. I'll read you just a couple of things. I, read, I, I said it to you already, but, I, but, it, but, 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 but bear with me. You've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Every gambler, now you say, well, I'm not a gambler. Okay, fine, don't, don't gamble in the sense that these guys are, are, are asking you to, but he's asking you to, by faith, go all in. Amen. Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away and knowing what to keep. Because every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. 
Did you get that? Uh, I don't care if you're familiar with the game. You don't need to be familiar with the game. I hope you're not all that familiar with the game. But you can, you can win some hands with some, pretty, with some pretty poor hands dealt to you if you just kind of know how to play them. You understand? One thing you don't want to do is get, the, get, get there sitting at the table and start to count. That ain't the time. That's not the time. And so the Lord says, David, your counting is going to cost you. Comes to Gad and says, I don't like what David did at all there. What do you want? Seven months of famine? What's the other stuff? Sorry. You understand the story? You, are, is anybody familiar with the story at all? <laughs> he numbers Israel, and, and then God begins to trouble Israel. God begins to, to bring it down on him. He says, uh, oh, where's it at? Where is it? Thank you. you do you want, uh, well, it's, yeah, three years of famine here. Go over, and you can, you can check it out in the other passage. And there's some, I'm going to say discrepancies. It's not discrepancies at all, okay? But let's just, for sake of, for sake of reading here. You want three, three years of famine, or three months to be destroyed before thy foes? While the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coasts of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> That's a toughie. <laughs> Why? Because he got counted. Because he got counted. So well, what are you telling me? Don't, don't count my money? No. But you better be real careful about when and where you count it and how, just how close. I'm trying to give you a practical example without being too... Hmm. I haven't counted the money since, I, since I've pastored this church. Not once. Not ever. I never will. Um, if there were two people in this church, the other person would count it. Yeah. Hey Amen. I don't want to know. I know, I know what goes on. I know what comes in as a whole. Do you understand? Understand the finances. Probably not as good as I should, but I have other men that, that are looking at that as well. Amen. But I, but I used to count the money. And from time to time, I'd see a check come in. So if that's, if that's you, I'm sorry. I have no idea. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have any idea because the person I'm talking about isn't here. So what are you talking about? To me, to me, you're counting things just a little bit too close for me. Why don't you just round up with the Lord? Or round down? I don't know. I can see that offended a bunch of you. And you know what? You know, honestly, that, then I'm more glad that I told that story then. Dead serious. Serious as a heart attack. If that annoys you. Amen. You get all the way down, all the way down to the, to, to the place where you're like, all right, Lord, well, I owe you right on down to this penny right here. You, there ought to be some time where you just reach into the bucket and grab a whole fistful and throw it away behind your back to some Christian and you didn't even know how much was there. Didn't even count. I don't know what was in there. I just gave him a fistful. Look like he can. He, he looked like he could use it. She looked like she could use it. They looked like they they needed some help, right? And I just I just I just I don't I don't care what was there. Just it was this. It was just this much. <laughs> just whatever. 
sits down to counsel and God says, I, 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 no, sir. There's something going on in your heart, David, that I don't like a bit. So your counting is going to cost you three choices. He said, well, let's just fall into the hand of God and, and in the mercy of God and let's see what happens. And God says, that's a very good choice because what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you a wonderful principle about giving, David. A principle beyond your understanding, David. David, I'm going to let you look at a man. I'm going to show you, because do you understand that we learn how to give by looking at somebody who knows how to give? We learn something about David's giving by looking at him give, right? Amen. Do you know what David got to learn about? David got to see a man give. And it, I believe it with all my heart, I believe it changed everything in his life. Read on here just a little bit. Grab a few verses. We're getting, we're getting close. You need this though, okay? Look at verse 16. And David lifted up his eyes. The angel of the Lord gets, be, get, begins destroying. And, and, and the idea is that David's up in, his, up in his kingdom and he's watching destruction take place before him. Whose fault is the destruction? His. His. Okay? And so he, he lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven and having a drawn sword in his hand and stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel who were clothed in sackcloth fell upon their faces and David said unto God, Is it not that I commanded... Uh, uh, is it not I? Excuse me. Is it not I? Is it not who? It's me. Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I... It is that have sinned and done this evil indeed. But as for these, what? Sheep. Sheep. What have they done? Okay, now you're starting to get it, David. Let thine hand, I pray thee, O, my, o Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David, David, that, they, that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. David, you're getting it. You're getting it. You see that it's you. You see that they shouldn't have to pay for your sins. You're getting that. Get yourself down to Ornan's house. And don't forget your checkbook. Amen. Yes, sir. Don't forget your checkbook, David. People have been being destroyed, and he stops. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not an accident that he stops at the, at, at the threshing floor of Horn and the Jebusite. This is the place where the Dome of the Rock is, is right now. This is the place. This is the place, and it, had, it would have to be the place because somebody would have to be willing to give their life for it and give all for it. And go all in for it. It would have to be. This is the place where Jesus Christ will sit with his throne. I believe this with all my heart. I believe you can believe and show this with scripture. That Jesus Christ will sit and reign and rule. Literally in the millennial kingdom. This place that he's going down to buy right now. <laughs> Big deal. Verse 20. And David, or verse 19, And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel. Ornan sees it, right? And his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And, David's, uh, and, and as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out to the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar. He didn't say sell me, did he? He said, grant it to me. 
Grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it to me for the what? For the full price. Now he's, now he's in there. Then the plague, uh, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, take it to thee. Take it to thee. And let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for the burnt offerings and the threshing instruments for wood and the wheat for the meat, uh, the meat offering. I give, what does that say? And when he said that, the Lord came right on and put his arm around David and said, you see that boy? He didn't say, hold on, let me get on Zillow. See what's going on. Things come up, you know, good 30, 40% year over year for quite a while now. It's got to be worth. This isn't even his problem. He doesn't even understand this problem. Ornan doesn't understand what's going on. He has no idea. He saw the angel of the Lord, did he not? He knew that he had been spared, but he's like, I, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. But if me giving could save them, take it. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Doesn't, I don't care what it costs. I mean, there's nothing in this for him. Do you understand? Just take it, man. I don't know where we'll go. I'm not really sure. But if, if, if we can give this and that would save them. And I don't even know them. That's not my family. I know, I, I know that, you know, there's, there's, there's national and all of that. Wonderful. Fine. But, but he's not giving for his son. He's not giving for somebody that he knows personally. Do you understand? He just says, I'm just, 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 I'll just give it all. I think David's heart yeah. was changed right there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But Ornan also gets to learn something about the king. See, because David teaches us something in one area of typology, and then he also teaches us something in another area of typology because what Ornan finds is that as soon as he's willing to go all in, that he could never outgive the king. And the king's only curious if he's willing. And as soon as he's willing, then the king pays him more than it's worth. And he'll never be a debtor to any man. You see, the king won't ever be a debtor. The king will always give more than he would ever ask you to give. Even if he asked you to give all. And if he asked you to give all, right? If he asked you to give all, that would not be unreasonable. Is that right? If he asked you to give, because he gave all, did he not? So if he asked me to give anything, you see... You see, in, this, in, this, in, in talking about that church growth is expensive, it should cost you something. That it should. David understood that here. Now he says, no way. Look at the next verse. He says, and King David said unto Ornan, nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings. What does it say? Without cost. Without cost. It should cost you something. Church growth growth in your Christian life, it should cost you something. It could cost you anything. And it would not be unreasonable. Romans 12.1. Anything, anything it would cost you, it wouldn't be unreasonable. You wouldn't come to the Lord and say, I can't believe it cost me that. You see, when we get into the book of Acts, do you know what the church has to give in order to go forward and grow? 
They give Stephen. So what do you, what do you mean? Well, it could cost you anything. Church gets together and says, we got some problems. we got, we got to get somebody teaching the Bible around here. We need somebody with some real wisdom. And they, they choose Stephen, and he begins to teach, and he begins to preach. And he's a gift, man. And he's a blessing. And he's a help to the church. And I could go show you where Stephen helped the church grow. And then the very next chapter, Stephen gets preaching along. And he's hoeing that row, man. And he's, he's got them right where he wants them. And that's, that's about to, revival's about to break out. But it doesn't. They take up stones. And they require his life of him. And he looks up into heaven and he sees the Lord Jesus. And he says, I can't believe that it would cost me this. No, just in the spirit of his Savior, just in the same spirit of giving that his Savior had on the cross, he says, lay not this sin to their charge, Lord. I'm happy to give my life for this. And somebody's watching that. Yeah. And they lay down their coats at a man's feet yeah. who's watching another man give. He said, how do I learn to give? If you watch another man do it, you watch another man do it. You watch another woman do it. That's how you learn. David learned some things from Ornan. Ornan learned some things from David. Paul learned some things from Stephen. Did he not? The church at Corinth learned some things from Paul. Did they not? Go to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. We'll be done. 1 Corinthians and we'll be done. Finish right there. So what are we talking about? Well, I think we're talking about church growth. And we're talking about the fact that it's expensive and that God's not after yours, he's after you. And uh, did I say 1 Corinthians? It's probably 2 Corinthians. It, it, it is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'll just read you a few, few verses and we, we'll be done. So why have you been preaching all money? Well, I'll tell you what, man, if, if, if all it ever ends up being is money, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, we didn't get it. it we just didn't get it. He's not after money. It might cost you an Isaac. And as soon as you're willing to give it, you'll find out that you'll never outgive him. And that he doesn't want yours, he'll give his. Do you understand? Let's get the spirit of giving. Let's get the heart of the thing. Let's grab a hold of the heart of it. What's really going on? Say he wants my this or my that. He doesn't want your anything, man. He doesn't want your anything. He wants you and you all in. In 2 Corinthians in chapter 9 or chapter 8, Paul's trying to teach the church that here's something at Corinth, and they're having a hard time getting it. Read a few verses with me. We'll, we'll be done, okay? Moreover, brethren, we do to wit, we do you to wit, I want you to know, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction. You know, how that when things were going great, right? How that when all the bills were paid, 
No, no, nothing like that, right? How the, in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their record, I, uh, for to their power, excuse me, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. They had to, they had to demand, because Paul knew what kind of situation and kind of condition they were in. He said, I'm not, I can't take that of you. There's no way. Then he realized something. That he was stifling the spirit of giving. It didn't have anything to do with what was being given or received right there. But that Christ was moving and working. Praying us with, mu praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also, therefore as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in what? This grace also, this grace of giving. I speak not by commandment. I love that. We didn't talk about the tithe today. I'm not demanding you to, be any, to do anything, Paul says. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. You know what we've talked about all day this morning? The forwardness of others. The forwardness of David. The forwardness of Ornan. The forwardness of Stephen. The forwardness of Paul. What do you, so what do you mean? They gave and they showed me how to give. And I see it. Right? By the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Yeah. Well, if I can't get a hold of it there, then I just can't get a hold of it. If I can't land there and wrestle through all the feelings and all the stuff going on in my heart and in my mind and all the, you know, what ifs and all the counting, all the tendency to want to go count every little penny right on down to the just, la the just, the, just the last thing and go, here's yours, Lord. I, I missed it. I missed it. Because he came down here and said, I'm all in. I'm all in. Years ago, I took a check. Took it right out of my checkbook. Wrote at the date right on the top from here on out. I made it out to the Lord Jesus Christ. I put right on the line. I'm all in. I'm all in. Life or death. Whatever you want. It's all yours. All the money. The kids, my wife, the cars, the stuff, whatever. Doesn't matter to me. I'm all in. I can't believe that you'd give me all. My all doesn't compare to your all, but here it is. Here's my basket. Let's pray. Father, please help us. We've got to get a hold of this thing, Lord. I want at some point, Father, at some point along the way, I'd sure love to get in on that spirit of giving. Not an amount of money, Father. That, that's beside the point. All of us, all we have is you gave it to us. It's all, all, everything we've got is yours. This is all yours. Of thine own are we giving you. And I guess the question today is, is will they give you of themselves? Not after theirs. You don't need anything from us, Lord. 
fund anything you want. You can do anything you want. You, got, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You're not in need of anything. You made yourself poor so that I can be rich. But not physically. <laughs> Spiritually rich. If I'd get a hold of some of these things that you want to teach me and those in this room and every Christian on the face of this planet about giving. It is expensive, Lord. Thank you for giving your blood. Thank you for purchasing the church, purchasing the church with your own blood. We're debtors. We're debtors, and I pray that you'd help us to get busy about doing something for you. Love you. Pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. I love you. God bless you.